Welcome, everybody, to Single High, the UHND podcast. I am your host, Frank Petovich, joined here by the president, chairman, and CEO of the Kyle Hamilton Fan Club, Greg Flamong. Greg, say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? <laughs> Frank, how are you? I am, I'm, well, I'm all right. You know, I'm still emotionally recovering from a basketball game. I, I think it was a basketball game that I watched on, uh, on Wednesday night and emotionally preparing myself to be devastated yet again. But that's, uh, that's me. You, uh, of all the people that I know, you go through the emotions and it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's very like the ups and downs. I actually, I'm glad we're doing this today. Cause I wanted to talk to you before the pivotal game six tonight. Yeah. Cause when yeah, you're on, uh, you can go from, you know what's the what's the uh, the slogan of the Sixers? We're we're coming or here they something? come. Here, here they, they come. come. Yeah. So you're you're like hashtag here they come hashtag here they come. Tobias Harris, I love you so much. And then game six happen or game five happens, and Tobias Harris needs to be traded and or released, and Doc Rivers needs to be um, arrested. Yep. Well, also you forgot Ben Simmons, but um, there's oh, still yeah. there's a there's a missing persons report out for, for him <laughs> right now. They're still looking for him. Uh, no, I I am I am well aware, man. My friends who I, I used to go, you know, my, in my single days, I would go on you know trips to places like Vegas and whatnot with a, with my buddies. And <clears throat> after one particularly uh, one particularly fun trip, uh, one of my friends just looked at me like the next morning and was like. Man, hanging out with you is like a, just a constant stream of peaks and valleys, man. He's like, yeah. you're at the roulette table, like loving life. And he's like, next thing I know, I see you at like the blackjack table just like destroyed. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like me watching a sporting event. I'm a, I'm aware. And anybody who follows me on Twitter, I think is sadly aware of the same, same peaks and valleys that I, uh, that I experienced. Yeah. It's like total confidence. And then. And within a couple of minutes, existential crisis. Yes, that's the same with Notre Dame football. I mean, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Usually, it's like no, I I try to stay somewhat positive. Like until until halftime, I try to at least always be like, look, it's not so bad. Maybe we're down. You know, like even the ACC championship game this year, I was like, well, you know, we're down, but it's not the end of the world. And then by like the second half, when like things in, I was like, well, no, it's over. It's all over. We're missing the playoffs. <laughs> like, yeah. We don't deserve it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Outback Bowl or whatever bowl we're, we're going to, I'm in. <laughs> we're gonna be we're, we are totally deserving five minutes later why 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 do i ever watch sports ever for any reason exactly if you saw my tweets the other day i finally started saying i'm like sports are stupid why do we do this why do yes, i do this yes, to myself? yes i just and today yes. i know like woke up and i was like don't don't do it frank don't don't get excited for this game don't even let yourself have a glimmer of hope and there I go on Twitter, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing people post like Sixers and seven. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe. this, maybe, maybe this will, maybe Doc Rivers will buck the trend of his entire career of choking in the playoffs and and blowing three three two and three one leads and come yeah. back from three to two. Right? It's like um, is that Arrested Development meme? Like, no, 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 no. It never works for anybody. 
but right. maybe for us. Right? But maybe for us, yes. <laughs> that is um, that's where we're at. Um, but uh, hey, I mean, we we've already spent four minutes here talking about just you know why I'm a terrible fan and and uh, and how uh, how much of a roller coaster it is <laughs> to uh, to go to games or to to watch games with me. But hey, we are we are here to talk some Notre Dame football because we haven't we haven't talked Notre Dame football. We've slacked Notre Dame football a lot, you know, over uh, yes over the over the last you know weeks and months. But uh, it is it was like a year ago, I think we tried to do that podcast. And then I just lost. Uh, then I uh, yeah, kind of not I don't want to say lost interest, but then I, you know, bought a house, got a dog, did all of that stuff. And uh, and free time was not a thing that was a luxury for me. Life happens. I know it's it's a it's a, it's happening to me at at uh, at a fast pace right now. I think uh, you know I uh, I've had a very different pandemic experience I think than a lot of people. Started it in a, a little two bedroom apartment outside New York City and you know did the whole house car dog thing and uh, everything is uh, everything's moving along. Yeah, it comes it comes and gets you. You think you're gonna have a lot of time and suddenly you don't. Exactly. I look back and I'm like, what? what have I done to the website in the last like 14 months? Like there's like weeks go by where I'm like, I should write something. Like I really, yeah. really should. So if anybody is, is listening, you might've noticed there was like five or six, you know, maybe more. I forget how many po- posts I got to write last week. It's, it's cause I was on vacation and my wife actually had to work for the first couple days. So I sat in a, in a little cottage on a lake drinking beers and writing blog posts and i'm not gonna lie this sounds really sad but it was it was kind of awesome yeah <laughs> i was like this is this is great can i just do this all the time this would be amazing but uh sadly no um <laughs> but here we are here we are so dude, there is a lot going on in the world of notre dame football you know right now um and maybe we should we should give our fans actually too our fan i like how i'm calling them our fans even though this is the first one and there's going to be seven people that listen but um we should give the audience an idea of, of what we're what we're trying to do with this podcast uh kind of moving forward uh here and uh you and i actually were talking about this the the other night and this is for those of you listening and, uh, and downloading us this is not going to be the podcast you know for breaking news type you know type uh uh you know, type uh, type content. As you could tell already, Greg and I both don't do this full time. You know, this is this is what we do when we have an hour or two hours. So it's basically going to be this kind of banter, going back and forth. You know, talking. Hopefully, you guys like it. You hang out with us, listen, listen along, and uh, and we we could build up a little bit a uh, little bit of an audience here going into what should be a uh, just a wild season. I not I don't know really what to expect quite yet in Notre Dame football 2021. So when you when you when you say that, I, I've been thinking in the last couple of days about what kind of year it's gonna be. And there there was an article in The Athletic about from Nicole Auerbach about um how how ESPN is just constantly talking about the playoff and and it's just like no one likes that, right? It's it's like you're watching a game in you know late september and it's like a big game just in in its on its own right right like maybe two three and oh teams or something and it's a big game and it's always looked through the lens of the playoff and how it affects the playoff and they're constantly talking about it and you just it, it 
as the season goes on, when everything is only about the playoff, it, you, you just get kind of sick of it. You get sick of hearing it. It's like, I want to enjoy the sport for what it is, at least for a little bit. And I feel like, I feel like a lot of the coverage around Notre Dame football from, from a lot of the beat and just like the way people discuss, I think the team now, it's all about, you know, cause last year the, the big, the, you know, kind of the, the meme was, you know, what does it mean for the Clemson game? Cause when you have that one big game on the schedule, it's like, well, everything that happens is looked on through the lens of, you know, is this good enough to beat Clemson? Is it good enough to, you know, and then is it good enough to beat Bama or is it good enough to win a playoff game or something like that? And for me, that gets really tedious. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing it. Like, look, we have to be able to enjoy wins and games just for what they are and kind of analyze them through the lens of like, this is how the game went. You know, we should be able to enjoy these things rather than worry about what's down the line. And in thinking about it, there's no big benchmark game this year. There's no, there's no Clemson. There's no Georgia. There's no, um, you know, team that we feel like is is kind of a benchmark where it's like we can measure the state of the program against these teams. And I know that Vegas has us as four point dogs to Wisconsin, but I don't think there are Notre Dame fans who really view Wisconsin as one of these teams that can threaten us, not threaten us, but just like if Notre Dame beats Wisconsin, that'll be a nice win, but no one's going to think like this is a signature win for Brian Kelly. No, I don't think anyone's going to think that no, maybe some will. Right. It, I just don't see that happening. So I think that, you know, a lot of the commentary so far has been about, you know, this is kind of a throwaway season and build towards 2022. It's like we're already looking past the season upcoming towards the 2022 season. And I just, I kind of want to be able to just enjoy the year as it comes, like just look at the, like the team and what it can be in 2021. I think people are looking past it for whatever reason. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of dreading the, just like the, the laissez-faire attitude when like, I feel like the wins are going to start racking up and people are just not going to care. Hey, you, you know what another throwaway season building towards the next year was going to be? It was 1993, right? Once, uh, once, once, once golden boy, Ron Paulus got right. hurt. That was, right. and that it's was kind the of, throwaway it's season. Parallel that was, with, build. It's kind of a parallel with Buckner too. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think, and I think your your point on Wisconsin's great, by the way, because actually when the um, when they announced the the rescheduling of the of the Wisconsin game at uh, you know at Lambeau, which I find just kind of fascinating, just the the way like the the complete split of the fan base on like and the Wisconsin fan base too about like these games being played in the NFL stadiums, but you know that's we'll, we'll table that for a second. But um, when that was announced, I actually wrote like, in my in my article, I'm like, yeah, like. Notre Dame is inexplicably, inexplicably a an underdog in this game, and a couple Wisconsin blogs or Twitter people must have gotten a hold of it because the comments started pouring in from Wisconsin fans that were like, "Oh, big talk now!" And I'm like, "In Wisconsin, Wisconsin, they're 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 a good program, you know. I mean, they don't. To your point, they don't they don't scare me. I, I if Wisconsin beats Notre Dame, I'm not going to be shocked. But to your point too, if like we beat them, it's like, okay, this is 
this is great. This is this is nice. It's but it's not. Yeah, it's not beating Clemson or Georgia or uh, who are some of the other big games that we've had over the last couple of years. Like I mean, it. Well, I was gonna say Michigan, but I mean to be fair to Wisconsin, like they're they're definitely higher or uh, much more elevated right now than um, you know than than a Michigan. But um, yeah, there are no. There are none of those games, which, you know, I know people complain about, too, that, you know, the schedule's not, you know, there's no fun games to go to. But, I mean, I think that you look at the schedule and, yeah, it is one of those that you go, man, we could be 12-0 and or we could be 10-2. and and, and either way, I'm not going to be shocked. I think, like, I, I personally, I will be shocked if we are anything less than, than like, I don't know, 9-3 and probably. I mean, maybe I could see if all goes wrong. If the if the offensive line doesn't come together, if Cone isn't you know what what we thought, and we have to you know make a change, or uh, you know if, if everything goes wrong, if all the question marks that we if you know if no corners emerge, um, then maybe I could see worse. But like I just look at this schedule, and yeah, I don't I do not see worse than than nine and three. Um, I guess, I guess so. I mean, how would you what let's say they did go nine and three? How would you feel about that? We have nine. I mean, I wouldn't feel obviously. I wouldn't feel great because that's you know. So I mean, based on everything since you know post terrible 2016 season, you know that would be it would be you know it'd be a, a step back. But I mean, I think I would. Again, this is me in June, rational Frank saying that <laughs> that um, uh, you know all the changes in the offensive line that you know that happened. You had a new quarterback. You know, basically, you know, the receivers are almost basic are, are almost you're going to be completely re- revamped, which I know we're going to talk about in more detail soon. But there, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, and to me, I think, again, right now, June 18th, I'm saying if we're worse than nine and three um, and we're like eight and four, I'm going to be disappointed. But I'm going to hope that at least I can look at it and say there was a lot that changed this year. It's not great, obviously, but not be, you know, not not be the you know it's the end of the world sky is falling i'm you know devastated um i mean i think it would also depend on what those four losses are right if you're mm-hmm. telling me we're eight the and three four, losses say, you mean the three losses oh well of course yeah you said if we were nine and three i'm thinking you said worse than nine and three if we're oh, nine and three i'm like yeah you know i'm still it's like eh, it's not great but it's not the the end of the world but let's say in that hypothetical Man, what would those three losses potentially? I mean, you would have to say, like, if it's Wisconsin, Cincinnati, North Carolina, or, say, Wisconsin, you know, North Carolina, USC, maybe? I mean, that would probably be, like, the, the, the barometer for me of, like, what those, what those three are. Because, like, I just look at it. Yeah, I, I don't see – I don't see a lot of – Losses like if we lose to Florida State, that is going to be like Florida. The the Florida State program is not in a very good good a good place at all right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I would say that no Toledo, please no. Like I that I don't need flash. I don't need <laughs> there's, not, there's nothing to talk Tulsa. about with Toledo. I don't like, need flashbacks not. of Tulsa 2010. Um, Purdue, no. You know Wisconsin, you know maybe Cincinnati, I. I do think that there maybe are some, you know, on Twitter and maybe in the beat that are building up that Cincinnati game maybe a little bit more than it than it should be. I get that they were good last year. Uh, I get they have some athletes and they got some NFL players, but 
and we should not lose that game. Um, you know, at Virginia Tech doesn't, I mean, they were better, you know, the last time they went down there. And, uh, <laughs> they were better, they were uh, better the last time we went down there and that, you know, wasn't much of a, much of a problem. So, I mean, yeah, I think nine, nine, nine and three would be one of those like, eh, type seasons to me. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Um, I mean, to me, nine and three would be like, you did a bad job. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to like disaster on a, you know, yeah. you did a bad job. Like, that's not okay. You yeah. know, I was, cause you know, um, what's his name? Bud, uh, what's that guy's name? Bud, uh, Elliot for, mm-hmm. he works for 247. He came out with his blue chip ratio and basically his hypothesis is you need, um, 50% or better on your roster of four and five star players are made up of four or five star players to or in order to win a championship. And Notre Dame's at 55%. The only team um, in the top 16 that's on the schedule this year is USC. And they're mm-hmm. at 53%. And then you look at... But they also have Clay Helton. Exactly. So <laughs> it's like that you might as well, I mean, just take down like 10% right there. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the team talent from 2020. Now, obviously, there's been some roster changes and that sort of thing. But you look at team talent from 2020, and Notre Dame is at 8, and USC is at 10. And then the next closest team is North Carolina at 22. You know, and, and we talk a lot about how the reason, uh, you know, a big part of the reason why Notre Dame can't catch Alabama and they can't catch Ohio State is because there's this talent gap, you know, and then and with Clemson as well. You know, Clemson, the last year Alabama was at two in terms of team talent. Ohio State's three, Clemson's four. And so it's like th- that's the problem that Notre Dame has is that, you know, that there's still that talent difference. And we, we can talk about, you know, there's there's fair discussions you can have about coaching and strategy and all that stuff but at the end of the day like there is a talent a big significant talent difference and and notre dame needs to make that up with those teams but that's not the case with pretty much everyone on there they have more talent than everyone they're going to play this year so that being the case like going nine and three like that's not good like it even 10 and two, if it's the wrong two, or if they, if oh, exactly. those two go in a way that's not like, that's not okay. That should not yeah. happen. So, you know, it, it, granted it's college football, right. And it's football in general. Sometimes you lose games that you shouldn't. And that's, you know, I don't want to say understandable, but it's not, it wouldn't be the first time in the history of the sport either. Um, so, I mean, look at the, there haven't been a ton of really good football teams to compare this to, but like in 1990, right? Notre Dame had more talent than everyone they played. That team went nine and three. Um, And the two games that they lost in the regular season were, shouldn't have lost those games. So, you know, you look at on that front, I don't think, you know, 10 and two, right? Like, I I just, I don't want to say it's like the floor, but it's the floor for me to say anything worse than that you did a bad job. Yeah. I mean, that, that's fair. I think like 10 and two is kind of where I started at saying, like, I think mm-hmm. that's like about what we're like, 
what we're what what we're looking at. And I think like I, I just yeah, I mean I have a hard time finding losses on this schedule. Um, mm-hmm. And but the the other part of me, and I know there's been also a big Twitter debate about the whole. Um, uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, the, the ratings related, you know, that are very heavily weighted based on, uh, you know, how much returning talent is coming, yeah, uh, yeah. Com- coming is back, coming back and, and, and how that relays. But I mean, it is, a lo- it's a lot, a lot of moving parts, right? It's four new offensive linemen or maybe not four brand new offensive linemen, but I mean, you could, depending on, you know, depending on what happens with, uh, you know, with Jared Patterson, like he could be at a new position. So you could have, you know, got a whole new basically starting lineup at the offensive line from last year. Like you most likely are. Right? And we had, you know, I think there's debate there too about like where, you know, where Patterson, where Patterson ends up. But so you look at all of the change at the line, the new quarterback, you got new, not new receivers, but you have a group of receivers. And I know that's, that was our plan to talk about them. So maybe this is our transition, but you got, a group of receivers that is very, very big on potential, but still very, very light on production. And, and, you know, not necessarily through any fault of their own. I think you, the wide receiver room at Notre Dame has just had terrible luck, um, you know, over the last, what, 18 months, probably um, in terms of just, uh, you know, injuries and, and, and things like that, that have just really, slowed that room uh slowed that room down and slowed the offense down somewhat as a you know as a as a, as a result but you have all of that on offense you know defense um you know, again some you have guys with experience but still some new starters on the defensive line you know you're losing the buckus award winner at linebacker secondary is still a little bit in flux even though we know we have you know the number two overall draft pick in the 2022 draft uh kyle hamilton you know, back there to to save us and to move over to wide receiver when uh, you know when necessary if Greg gets his uh, gets his way. But it it is a lot of there's a lot of questions on this on this team, which is why I think it is going to be. I think it's going to be a fascinating season. I think everything that we think going into it by you know September fourth might be completely different by November. You know, you know by by ten or eleven p.m. Eastern time. Most, you know, assuming that Stanford game is a late game, November 28th. That's, I think it's that kind of season. Like you're going to have players emerge that we did not think, and you're going to have players that we thought, you know, we felt really good that we're going to, that maybe don't for whatever reason. Yeah, I think the the receiver room specifically, they are due for some good fortune, just because <laughs> without without looking at just the kind of the the roster management and all those things like just in general you know you had kevin austin and his troubles Mm -hmm. um in 2018 and then into 2019 you had michael young break his collarbone um and then last year you know austin with his foot and Lindsay with his hamstrings and then keys is getting you know he, he illnesses and covid related stuff and just regular injuries. I feel like Keys, Keys right. has been one of those guys that we just had a hell of a time, like just getting, you know, to like to not have those nagging injuries. Um, right. And those little ones, too, the ones that like maybe don't sideline them for two, three weeks, but like, mm-hmm. s- you know, slow them enough that we're still we're still waiting you know, to see him. And I, I will say I was very 
very pleased with what I saw, you know, out of him, and, and very optimistic about what he mm-hmm. can do this fall. He has been a guy that I've just been waiting and waiting, you know, f- to explode. And I, you know, ever since we recruited him, it's I looked and was like, man, this is a this is the guy that that finally is our you know big weapon out of the slot that we've been missing, you know, for I mean, how many years? When was the last time we've had like you know a legit like just threat you know playing out uh you know playing out of the slot we've had some good play out of the you know no you know don't take a not to take anything away from the guys who have been playing there the last few years but like i've just been waiting for him and it's like i hope this is the year for him because um you know by all accounts he seems like you know a kid that just like deserves that to to happen for him and for for the stars to align but at the same time i, I look at Lindsay keys and austin and like like just the data, not that I'm a data analyst, but like the the data, the, the the slight data analyst kind of part of me looks at that and goes, I mean, man, like the odds are one of them misses time this year, like mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Like, I mean, the three of them have just been kind of had the issues, you know, whether it's on the field, off the field, um, you know, or injuries or, you know, whatever. Like, I just feel like I would love it if the three of them are all play, you know, all 12 games, but I feel mm-hmm. like that's probably like just overly optimistic of me looking at that and thinking that that's possible based on the last three years. And what's unfortunately happened is the bad fortune has, has highlighted the mismanagement. And it's not that receiver is unique in that. Like there's been some mismanagement before, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like at corner, for example, or safety. Um, Kyle masked the mismanagement, you know, just in the secondary period. I mean, you know, what if Nick McLeod gotten hurt last year? Like, what if they brought him in and he got hurt and he couldn't play? You know, mm-hmm. that, oh, suddenly the corner situation is is a lot more tenuous. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw with Kyle, you know, he if if he goes out and they're not playing uh, UCF or something, you know, then that's a bigger problem. So, um, but receiver, you know, it on the one hand, it's 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 an underrated job by Dell to get to get Avery Davis ready to play, right? This yep. is a former quarterback who's played a number of positions. And then last year he comes in um, and he's a solid player for them. Yep. And then you get McKinley playing at a, at a level that he had not played at, you know, in his previous seasons. And then you get what you get out of Skoranek. I mean, he, he made the best out of a bad situation, but the bad situation is also his own mismanagement and be it, you know, the 2019 class is just kind of just missing there. Yeah. Um, just kind of taking a pass. And then, you know, say what you want about Jordan Johnson and whether he was good or whether he wasn't, it's, it's a mis evaluation of the fit in the program and, or his just ability period. Oh, hundred percent. Um, yeah, I think that's the, and that's, and Adele has been getting, uh, he's, he's been getting beat up you know, on Twitter and, right. you know, on, on sites. And I mean, to, to be fair, like, I mean, he does, he does deserve a level of, of criticism because like you said, the, the situation is, is kind of his own doing. I think even more so than 2020, uh, sorry, 2020 class, that 2019 class is the one that really just stands out as like, man, what were we doing? Like, you know, how did we, <laughs> you know, like, and, and I, to be honest, I'm actually optimistic about Cam Hart at, 
at corner. I think, you know, some of the things we saw from him in the spring and especially the, the blue and gold game are very encouraging. And, you know, he's got the length at corner that we like, you know, that the, you know, that, that fits the scheme and everything. But like, I mean, man, what it, it, it's very reminiscent of those classes that, you know, Todd light was having at corner, mm-hmm. which you you know led to the issues last year. And, I, and that's my worry with wide receiver is that, you know, right now we have one, wide receiver from two classes left on the you know on the roster mm-hmm. and that's it might not bite us this year i mean it 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 very well could bite us if you know the so the, the the three guys that we mentioned who've had trouble staying on the field have trouble staying on the field again this year so it it could easily bite us you know this year unless you know somebody like a Dion colsey comes in which is very possible by the way and just lights it up because i mean the, the the track times we're seeing out of him at his size, like if he could pick up the offense, like that is very the the idea of of him in this office offense is very exciting. But like it could bite us this year, it could bite us next year, right? If you know, who knows? Like, I mean, all the again, we have a lot of the guys in the senior class, like they have extra eligibility, but you never know, you know, what's gonna happen. Um, you know, in terms of you know, in terms of the roster. We've been seeing that more and more the last couple of years that this roster flip like everybody's does though. It's not just Notre Dame. So like, who knows, like, um, you know, who'll, who'll be there ne- next year that we're, you know, that we're counting on, uh, that, you know, that maybe won't be. I mean, it bit us last year. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could, because, you know, y- you go 10 and 0 and that's, and that's a good job. But at some point you get, you get to a level of competition where, you know, those guys, they're not going to – it takes a little bit more than, you know, back shoulder throws. You know, right. it takes a little bit more than than kind of like the basic stuff we were doing. And, and you know, you, you can – you do what gives your, your – the players that you have the best chance to succeed. But the problem is, is now you're asking guys to be more than what they are. Mm-hmm. And and when you don't have it, it's like, yeah, here it is. Like when you get to the, the Bama game and you get to the Clemson mm-hmm. game – and it's like, oh, we don't have that that verticality on offense. We don't have that explosiveness. We don't have that make you miss ability after the catch. You know, it's yeah, like that's it's it's on the sideline because it's hurt. You know, mm-hmm. th- those things are injured. And and when when you like I said, the bad fortune, it it just highlights the fact that you just didn't have anybody else to turn to. And and so this year, you know. You're really count. I mean, you 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 almost have to have Styles and Colsey be hits. You have to get something out of Xavier Watts because you can't just throw out the the seniors. You can't just throw them out. You need more than that. You need you, because it, at the, as the season goes on, like those guys just get worn out. So you gotta you gotta have more and and hopefully you know it it. It it the the it breaks right for them, and then we have what we need, and we don't have to worry about it. And you know, I I I think a lot of Styles, I think a lot of Colsey, I think that the twenty Jaden well Jaden Thomas feels like a he feels like a developmental guy, and plus Jaden Thomas would be the what the eighth person mm-hmm. in the rotation. Like, not a lot of teams are going eight deep at receiver. You know, you need six or seven. Um, he also, to me, he seems like he might be, though, like more like he like 
uh, ceiling projection, maybe not as high as as Colsey or Styles, but in terms of just like if you if you were to line those like three up and you look at at Jane Thomas, you might say like, man, okay, he maybe long term he's not going to have the greatest career of the three, but like he might be the most ready to play just from a pure physical like standpoint. Like he looks like he is he is ready to play. Jaden Thomas feels like a guy that if he was in the 2019 class, then he would be ready to go like, oh, yeah. as a junior right now. Like that's, be, but that's he would be an unquestioned starter if he was in. The and that's and class. that's when and that's when that's where it hurts. You didn't get someone like that, yeah. and that's the big problem is they had no one. So, um, you know it. It's just. A lot is, and and I feel like so much is, and the fact is, and it's funny because the the bad fortune is actually it would be it it, it almost is to his benefit because if there wasn't the bad fortune, if Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay were healthy last year and they blow up, maybe they're not even on this team, and then what? Yeah. You know, there would there would be a grad transfer they would have that would have had to brought in. But if those guys aren't on this team, then then where do you turn? Because it's not like suddenly Jordan Johnson is different, and suddenly I mean Jay Brunel had there were off field things that were you know hampering him. But it's it's just like <laughs> it, you're real. It, it's almost fortunate that those guys are even on the roster still. No, totally, and I mean. It- I keep looking at it too and saying like, man, the talent is there. Like, I mean, ta- from a pure talent standpoint, I love this group. Like, I mean, yeah. I think you you got, you know, if Austin can stay healthy, if you know, I mean, like, the amount of hype that was coming from within the program from current and former players, it, I don't remember another player. You know who was getting that? Maybe like a Dexter Williams. I remember people like you know saying like you know when Dexter had his you know his hit is off, you know unofficial suspension at times. Like whoa, just wait till he's he's ready. You know people would say, and um, I kind of feel like maybe like him, but uh, like there was just so much of it coming that it's like it's hard to think that he isn't going to be the real deal if he can, you know if he can stay, um, you know if he can stay healthy and if he's you know you know fully back. And I know I think what is he he. He started his running program, according to what Brian Kelly said, you know, a couple, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And like, I, I think, you know, of the, of the group, I mean, you got to think that, I mean, I think at least that, that Austin is the, the pivotal one, like of, of the group, if you were to say like, again, assuming, assuming there's going to be some sort of, you know, game number of games missed by, you know, somebody in that trio, like. Austin is the one that I would like if I could, you know, put in a request, you know, to to the football powers that be that said, like, just don't let it be Austin. I mean, he's the one that has a chance to really, um, you know, change the offense a little bit and be part of what we were missing, you know, last year. And like you mentioned the, you know, the when we get to the Alabama games and like, geez, think of the difference in, in wide receiver talent, you know, between those two teams. Um, and it's just, it's crazy. You know, you had, um, and I mean, and Waddle was even hurt. Um, you know, I mean, he was not, you know, a hundred percent in that, you know, when, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the year, but, um, I mean, they had two guys picked in the top 10 from that one wide receiver room. 
one of whom is now obviously going to be rookie of the year since he, you know, was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles and is going to be uh, is going to be catching, you know, bombs from from Jalen Hurts, who is now, um, you know, clearly in the MVP discussion as far as. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But, um, yeah, I mean, and actually, they, one thing I was going to bring up later, but they, the, you know, Devontae Smith, uh, you know, comp might not be the craziest at, at, at this point. But, you know, I was going to bring up on the, you know, on the recruiting front, too, just like coming in. Um, I mean, there is, there is a lot of optimism, you know, that this recruiting class is going to, uh, you know, be pretty awesome. Um, and as a wide receiver, I mean, obviously in, in overall, it's looking like it's going to be one of Kelly's best, right? I mean, we know linebacker looks like it is going to just be like insane. Like we've haven't seen in a, in a long time, but like wide receiver specifically yeah, is looking good. Um, and you know, our guy here, um, yeah, Amorian Walker, who is just blowing up right now. And mm-hmm. the reason I brought up the, the Smith comparison is because I know the knock on him has been, ah, he's too small. You know, what, is, what, what were we saying on, uh, on Slack the other day? hundred, you know, we, we see it on Twitter that he's, you know, 170 pounds soaking wet, but it's like, yeah, Devonte Smith weighed in at 166 at the NFL combine. And it didn't not stop him from torching us in the Rose bowl. And it didn't stop him from being a, you know, a top 10 pick. But um, I mean, it seems like the, the position in general is just like, like this is like that year where you're like, man, if we could just get through this year, like maybe like with what we got, you know, in this year's freshman class and then what it looks like we're going to be adding in the class of 2021 or sorry, 2022 that um, like that our fortunes are, are, you know, are changing at least a little bit at uh, wide receiver. It, it is going in the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. spe- you know, Walker, who was, you know, a questionable take, I guess, uh, is a charitable way, charitable way of putting it, at least at the time. Hey, um, hey, hey, before you call me, what did I, 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 when I saw, when I looked back in our conversation and granted, I was drinking that night when I was watching, <laughs> when, I was, when I was watching the, the Walker highlights. Um, and I think my exact message, exact message to you was, are you ready for my two IPA comp for Walker? And you were like, hit me with it. And not that I am saying he is going to be this player, but I think what the what the staff saw in him then and what we're starting to see other staffs see in, in Walker right now is I think the staff looked at him and had a little bit, a little bit, guys, who was, who was, who, everyone who's listening, of some Will Fuller vibes in not in that, you know, I mean, obviously Will Fuller turned into like insanely fast, you know, Great, one of the best deep weapons we've ever had at, you know, at Notre Dame. But if you look back at like Fuller's junior year, like his offer list was not that impressive. His 40 times were not that impressive. But the staff looked at him and was like, you know what, this kid has the ability to be really fast. And I, when I looked at Walker's tape, I was like, this doesn't happen often, by the way, when I see something that I think, um, you know, others don't. But you just watch him run and you're like, man, he runs so effortlessly that you're like it doesn't even look like he's trying and yet he's like running past people and i think we're starting to see that now with the alabama offer and the michigan offer and now he's an under armor you know all american and now everybody you know that on twitter you know was like ah this is what are we doing 
why are we offering, you know, why are we offering this kid is now like, oh man, well now this kid's gone because Alabama offered and is already conceding that recruiting, which I know you tweeted out, uh, retweeted the uh, the Rivals interview with, uh, you know, with him that he was like, calm down, you know, I'm, I'm good. But um, I, I, I think that's a, a great, great pickup for us. Yeah. And then the, the Rivals interview he did with Mike Singer, he, he was kind of explaining like I, you know, he, I guess he went to the Alabama camp and ran a four, four, one, and then they, um, they offered him. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, I, you know, I don't trust these, these times at these camps or whatever. And it's like, okay, maybe you don't, but the Bama coaches do because they offered him a scholarship. Yeah. So, Nick Saban doesn't toss those out like Skittles, right? I don't, yeah. I, so I trust I don't, him. <laughs> right. Well, it's not that I trust him. It's just like, they believe it. So yeah. Uh, you know, I, um, you know, and he, and he said in the interview, like, the thing is, is I, I didn't get a lot of tape from my, uh, my junior year because I was hurt. He said he played a game and a half and then he got hurt for the year. And so he, he's like, I'm not surprised by running a four, four. Like I knew I could do that. And he's like, I have a 40 inch vertical. Like I know I can do these things. So, and he's just like kind of imploring fans to be like don't worry like i'm good like it's okay have you seen the picture too i think i used it in the post the other day um about about alabama offering him but have you seen the picture of him standing next to to lawrence Lawrence keys yeah yeah you look at him and you're like holy this he's he's going into his senior year like again you you look at him there and you're like like, wait what are you doing you know, on September 5th, like, can you, <laughs> we might need, we might need some help at, uh, you know, at wide receiver. So um, I think it's, yeah, I think he was, it, it tr- again, this is where you have to just like kind of trust the staff. Like this staff has like wide receiver, I feel like is one of those positions where this, and, and by this staff, I just mean like Brian Kelly's staff in general has done a relatively good job over the last decade or so of just finding those guys that like are about to blow up and then all of a sudden you're like oh this guy's really good you know like will fuller i mean fuller had the penn state you know um you know penn state offer but you know he's philly guy so like kind of you had the you you look at that and you know some people were like ah well it's because he's a he's a pennsylvania kid so that's why you know penn state had you know had penn state had offered but he didn't have like a crazy star-studded offered list you look at Kevin Stefferson, which, ah, man, that is one of the big, like, what ifs, too, of, like, man, what if Stefferson could have just, like, stayed <laughs> not in trouble and stayed on the field for Notre Dame because he, uh, and he had, he he had some talent. Um, but even Claypool, right? Chase Claypool mm-hmm. was not overly recruited out of Canada. Like, so I feel like the staff generally has done a good job with that. They had, they hit a rut where, you know, they had that, the, the 19 class and the, and the 20 class, but I think the tide does seem, seem to be turning. Yeah. I, I understand why it's hard for, I guess, fans to give Dell the benefit of the doubt on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would just say like, take, take the information as it comes, you know, like if you want to be skeptical, then you can be skeptical. I think, I think once a player, you know, goes to a camp, and gets offered by, you know, Alabama and then gets offered by Michigan. He's probably going to keep getting offers at this point. Um, 
So I think once that happens, you could just kind of say like, okay, that's that's probably a good eval, right? They probably got a pretty good player there, regardless of whether his ranking is. Um, and then, you know, trending towards Tobias Merriweather, trending towards CJ Williams. Those are both top 100 caliber receivers. I mean, look, you, you, you know, you've got top 100 in Deion Colsey, top 100 in Lorenzo Styles. If you get top 100 Merriweather, top 100 CJ Williams, I mean, you're, you're giving yourself a lot of bites at the apple at that point. And then just outside, what is what is not Nicholas Anderson? He's like what one? I forget offhand. One forty. He's all he's all over the place with yeah. different services. Let's see, I actually I have it here. His composite. I was just writing this down earlier. His composite is actually. I thought it was higher. He's he's still two sixteen though overall uh, right yeah. now with uh, with twenty four seven composite. But it's like if he's your fourth guy, hmm. then that's good. You know that that's you're doing a good job. I, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it is what it is, and maybe some people might have, you know, questions about, you know, hit, you know, they're all taking big guys or whatever. You know, my thing is like, take the best, whatever you think the best guys are, right? Take them, and then worry about fit and all those other things later. Yeah. You you can find a way to utilize the, you know, your good players. Yeah, totally. And I mean, and even still, I mean, Styles isn't huge, so like, let's say they take a bunch of big guys, like, and maybe. You know, maybe they have seen enough out of Styles to be like, man, this kid is going to be, you know, our smaller, fast receiver for the next, you know, three, four years. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't bank it on one player because we see with, you know, injuries. But right. um, I mean, they could be they they've seen him in, um, you know, in uh, in uh, you know in in the spring. And I mean, the fact that he was playing in the spring game and, and you know was utilized, I think, was great. I think that's hopefully a good sign that we see a little bit out of him, you know, this fall. I think it's foregone conclusion we're going to see him in the return game. Um, so I mean that that could be part of you know why they are going after you know these um, you know the, uh, the 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 bigger uh, you know the bigger type receivers. Mm-hmm. So I guess question for you now is now we're talking receivers um, is that you know day one game one again September fifth um, you know we line up against uh, you know at Florida State and in Tallahassee who are your who do you see like what what kind of receiver alignment assuming Kyle. Hamilton is not going to be on offense just to start the year. We know, again, we, we, we know. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I love I had Kyle. To, I had to put that out there. I had to say, like, we can't say Kyle. To, I love question. Kyle, and yeah. and everyone knows this, and everyone knows I want him to play wide out. Um, I don't have visions of him being a starting receiver for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who do I think? So Austin will be one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Davis will be another one. Mm-hmm. And I just I wonder I wonder if it's I guess the I guess I don't know enough about how they're moving these guys around to go like Lindsay, Keys, or Wilkins. Wilkins. Mm-hmm. Well, it just like it's the whole um I like Joe Wilkins though. Like I still last year, like I don't know why we didn't see more of Joe Wilkins last year. I felt like what was it? It was the Duke game, right? Like yeah. we were struggling a little bit and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, let's just throw this ball to Joe Wilkins like three plays in a row and get three first downs. And you're like, Where where did that go? Like yeah. they weren't necessarily like I mean, they weren't difficult catches, but they also weren't like, Hey, I just hit you 
you know, between the one and the eight, I, you know, you made some nice catches, like, and I don't know why we didn't see more of that. Um, Cause he is, he's one of those guys that I think like, I would, I would like to see more out of, I think, you know, he, he showed enough last year that he has got, um, you know, he has got some talent. Yeah. I'm going to say, I saw, as you were talking, I was thinking more about it. I'm going to say, I think it'll be Austin keys and um, Davis. I think they'll figure out a way. How do you, who do you start? Who's I think, I think, I think they're willing to put Davis outside to the field. Interesting. I, cause I would have almost thought the, like if I, if you, if you told me those three, I would think the opposite. I would think you go Davis inside keys outside. He's done it before, but I think, I think, I think Davis being the bigger player. Yeah. Um, I think they can put, I mean, honestly, I, I think there'll probably be position flexibility out there, but to start, I think they would put keys inside. What if we come out in Tallahassee and oh damn it, I forgot that. What did what did what did Davey call it? The what was it? The Blarney offense? What did he call uh, it? No, <laughs> no, that was the uh what was it, Davey? Oh yeah, it was Davey. That's right, because it, it was ninety seven. Yeah. It was ninety seven. We come out five wide with Joey Gatherall. What did what did, what did they call that? I can't I remember. think it was. I think that's right. That's I think he right called it me. the Blarney offense. Yeah, I, that sounds oh, right. Man, what was I? In in ninety seven, I would have been fifteen years old, right? So like not yeah. knowing a damn thing. I mean, I still very know very little about this game. <laughs> um, anybody who follows me and and reads this, but like I like 15 years old, I remember like having conversations with my dad because like at the time, man, I was reading, um, I was getting Blue and Gold Illustrated, which at the time it was like you know it was all we had, you know. Was, right, right. Like, I guess the internet was kind of around 97, right? A little bit, but like you didn't have, you know, obviously the, what we had. You didn't. You didn't have bloggers. No, you didn't. You didn't have have us, you know, right, uh, sit, yeah. sitting here on a. But um, like, I, I remember like talking to my dad, and my dad being very much like, I can't believe Lou Holtz is not the coach, and me being like, Dad, I've been reading these articles, all right, and this is what I <laughs> this is this is what I what I've been been reading is that like Davey is going to revolutionize our offense, right? He's gonna. And then, uh, like, he he realizes, you know, Notre Dame can't run the triple option anymore. Like, it's a breath of fresh air. Like, and then watching that first game, I'm like, see? See, I told you. Look at this. Five wide receivers. And then, like, by halftime, I'm like, well, that's not great. <laughs> like, we're, not, we're really not moving the ball. Like, I really thought, like, Ron Paulus would have four touchdowns by now. Uh, <laughs> and what was that? That was Georgia Tech, right? The, the rededication of the stadium game, which we won, like, oh, man, I can't remember. What was the – I was not, it was closer than it should have been. I remember that. What was it, it was, like, I want to say, 14? It was, yeah, it was, I think it was like 20 to 17. Okay. I was close. It, I, it was a three point game. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like my dad just looking at me like, how much are we paying for these articles you're reading? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I, I hope I would, part of me, like, I still, it, it is so weird to me in some ways too, like of how, I think actually you were tweeting about this this morning with somebody about like, you know, what if Clawson and Tate came back in 2010? Yeah. And I think that I'm like, I, then I started, I'm like, yeah, like remember that 2009 Cincy offense. And it is so wild to me that like, we just like, we haven't seen that from Brian Kelly. Like he's never like, I mean, can you remember a time and maybe I'm just not remembering it, but like, I don't really remember very many times where we have seen a four wide receiver set in the last 10 years 
where one of the four has not been like a detached tight end or yeah. a running back that came out of the or in the backfield. Have we like, I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's happened. Am I like, right. But I, I mean, like, I can't remember any off the top of my head where we've just seen something like that. It's happened, but it's, it hasn't been um, like the offense. Hmm. I, I think they did it a lot in uh, 2010, actually. Um, and then 2011, not as much just because, you know, they had Sierra Wood and Jonas Gray and they were such good runners. Um, and you had Tommy Reese primarily as your quarterback. And you had Tommy Reese and you, had, you also had Tyler Eifert, who was exactly. really good. So, um, yeah, I, it, interestingly, it, it's something that everyone would like. And at the time, it was very much frowned upon. Yeah. So there's been a run the damn ball. Right? There's been a shift. Yeah, there's totally been a shift. I mean, it's run the it's run the damn ball, and now we are running the damn ball. And it's oh, Brian Kelly, you know, is running this offense that is not modern, and is not going to you know you know beat Bama uh, or beat you know beat Clemson, even though we did beat Clemson last year. And people like to just gloss over that that fact that Notre Dame did you know up. Uh, upset the number one team in the country last year i i haven't forgotten it's actually interesting like it kind of leads to a kind of an and we're probably running up against the clock for this podcast but for the next pod it would lead to like a very interesting conversation just like a philosophical like should notre dame try to go the way of other programs like, I guess, Bama. Um, and, you know, just because everyone's saying, like, you know, because Nick Saban, he had his quotes about yep. how he, you know, you, you have to score now and everything kind of has to be more wide open to win and everything. But we know sports are cyclical and we know football is cyclical. Like, should Notre Dame still try to – obviously, there's – you know, you don't have to, to – peg yourself into one area, right? Like you can you can blend in, you know, the RPO game and the vertical game and that sort of thing. But should Notre Dame just like lean into like, no, we're, we're still going to do our tight ends and our power. And at some point, because my, my whole, you know, just my, without thinking it very much through, just like my feeling on it is it kind of doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're elite at doing that thing. And to me, it was less last year, the type of offense, it was that we weren't elite at what we were trying to be running. Mm -hmm. And that was more of the problem rather than the actual um, scheme itself. Well, yeah. And I mean, even if you go back to the Rose Bowl and you look like, the Rose Bowl, right? I mean, obviously it didn't it did not end how we won it, but right. um, you look at like what Kyron Williams was able to do against Alabama, and if you would have told me, you know, going into going into that game, what Kyron Williams' final stats ended up being, I think I probably would have been like, man, we we would be, you know, we 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 might have been in that game, right? Because yes. like I I didn't go into that game thinking. You know, Kyron Williams is going to run all over Alabama, right? Yeah. I did, it just did not. Um, and I mean, he had 16. What did he have? 16. I just loaded it up. 16 for 64. You know, a touchdown and a long of 15. But like, they're not great numbers. But like, 
first of all, it's a hell of a lot better than what we were able to do against Alabama, uh, you know, in Miami in uh, you know in, in early 2013. But um, like, I mean, we we in that game, like I think we were able to run the ball enough that if we had going back to the receivers, if we had the guys outside that Alabama respected and Alabama was worried about like those 16, if we had, you know, if, if we, again, I'm not even say if we had, you know, Devonte Smith, cause he is, you know, again, Heisman winner, but let's say we had, Will Fuller, right? A Notre Dame yeah. player. Let's say we had Will Fuller on that team, or we had, you know, somebody like that. I think I think those 16 carries for Kyron Williams are maybe not 64, maybe they're 74, right? Maybe they're 84 because they have to respect that. Alabama did not respect that at all, and Kyron Williams was still able to pick up four yards of carry on them, which is not like, I mean, four yards of carry is not obviously great, but it's also not terrible. And I think like, to going back to what this offense just needs in general is that better play at wide receiver. And you can, I mean, the challenge there though, is like, if you lean in to a run first offense, the challenge then becomes how do you get those wide receivers that you need to make Alabama respect your passing game? You almost need like, I mean, man, wide receiver is like, you know, just the position where, it seems like is the you have the strongest of personalities, we'll say, uh, right? In terms mm. of like wanting the ball, so it's really hard to find those guys that would be like, yeah, you know what? I'm willing to come to Notre Dame, knowing that it's going to be run first, but you know, I could still kind of be the guy. Like that. That is, I think that's the challenge in in that is like, and I mean, hell, Dion Colsey is a top 100 recruit and saw Notre Dame be a run first team last year, and he still signed with us. Right. And mm-hmm. you're seeing CJ Williams, uh, you know, top 100 type uh, type kid, Tobias Merriweather, top 100 type kid. They're they're still considering Notre Dame and you know, Notre Dame is considered odds on leader for both. And if and they, they see the offense that Notre Dame ran, you know, last year. So, you know, maybe I do like the idea of talking about it, uh, you know, more in depth, though, too. Well, I, I we need to talk about it more in depth because I need to think about it more because <laughs> um, I haven't I also, haven't. I, I don't really have like fully formed opinions on this thing. Um, it's just like one of the more interesting conversations that oh, kind of, totally. it kind of keeps popping up in the, like in just like when people discuss Notre Dame and their offense and what, like what they have to do. I just, I always wonder, like, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't, always think it's good to be you know reactionary it's one thing for Saban to do it because you know and look congratulations to Nick Saban right like he he had this epiphany (laughs) that hey we should throw the ball a lot more than we have like the year when he signs like the best wide receiver class and five-star quarterback like maybe in the history of college football like congrats dude like way to go you figured it out you know, right. like, I don't think there is a coach in the, in at least a, a good coach in college football who wouldn't have leaned into the past the last four years. Right. Okay. So like, I'm not trying to, you know, you know, maybe he's saying that because, you know, it's kind of like one of these things. It's like, yeah, I figured it out. It's like, yeah, you did figure it out. You signed Devonte Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, and Jerry Judy. 
<sighs> you know, so I wonder, short of that, bananas. <laughs> short of that <laughs> happening, like maybe Notre Dame should stay the course and be like, no, we don't need to ch change our philosophy wholesale. We just need to get better at what we are trying to do. And okay. granted, of course, you always want to bring in the best players that you can. But, you know, when your strength is recruiting the line and, you know, that in tight ends, if that is what you do better than anybody else, then you should lean into that. Why not lean into that? Don't take I, away your advantage. Exactly. Hey, it's a it is a uh, it's a valid point. Um, and hey, I I love the idea of, of diving diving deeper into it too. Especially if I get you know give you a week to think about it, and I know you'll come back with some crazy stats, and I'll see a bunch <laughs> of tweets over the next six to seven days to know which way to which which way you're going with that. But uh, uh, no, I'm down. I say we we do that. Uh, maybe we do that next week. Yeah, sounds good. So the last question, I mean, we haven't asked, we haven't, the, the we, 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 we've mentioned it a couple of times, but the elephant in the room is still Kyle on offense. And I mean, you know, we talked a lot about wide receivers and I, I heard what you said on the one foot down, uh, you know, pod about, uh, about Kyle, but uh, you know, what are you, what is your, what's your ideal, you know, let's say that the staff, you know, actually does it. What would you, what would your ideal number of snaps in 2021 be for Kyle Hamilton? on offense stats snaps just pure oh, snaps. snaps how many how many plays a game would you want to see kyle hamilton uh you know line up uh on offense um i would say in the first like i don't know in the first six or seven games maybe like 10 10 per game or total if uh no per game Wow. Okay, that's that. That's a good at, at, at the most. Well, because it's okay. like you don't you you want it to be a thing where the defense. If you if you put him in the game for like two or three snaps, it's it doesn't really stress the defense because it's like he's not out there enough. Mm -hmm. If he's out there enough to where it's like, oh, he's still out here. Okay, we actually have to come up with a plan for this. You know, and I'm not saying they need to throw it to him 10 times. That's not what I'm saying at all. The point is, is that they could throw it to him every single time. So the defense is, you want them to be guessing as much as possible. Because you're not really risking him if you put him out on the right side, you put him in motion, and then you run away from him. That's not risking Kyle. That's not putting him in danger. Like, you're only kind of stressing. So... If he's out there for 10 snaps, maybe you involve him in the actual play four times. Okay. And that's not that much exposure to him, but maybe like in those four plays or five plays a game, he's making a big play for you. And he's doing something that makes the defense think like, ah, like we, we now we have to we kind of have to deal with him. Like now we have to actually have a plan. We need to work on this during the week. You have him out there for like two or three plays a game. They're not really. They're, they have maybe they spend maybe five minutes on it. Yeah. All right. In practice, but you put him out there enough. It's like the defense doesn't know what your plan is. Hmm. So, like I said, if he's out there enough. 
they actually have to be thinking about what could they do with him. They need to think about all the ways that he can impact. If he's not out there enough, then they don't really have to think about it. And what do you think the actual percentage chance of this happening is? You think it's greater than 50-50 or you think we're, we're, we're below that? I think we're below 50-50, but... But higher than zero? It's, no, it's non-zero for sure. Um, mm-hmm. it, here's the thing. Why, why, are they, why are they telling Jake Pope, who's a safety, com, or safety prospect, he was on an official visit last week. Why are they telling him he can play both ways yep. if they're not thinking about doing this with Kyle? That's what I don't understand. Why would, they, why, would they, why would they say that? Because if I was Jake Pope, I'd be like, what are you going to do it with him? Yeah. Because he's, he's better than everyone. So are you going to do it with that guy? <laughs> well, like, obviously, <laughs> obviously, he's better than everybody. <laughs> right. Like if I'm Jake Pope, I'm like, look, I'm good at football, but he is better than all of us. So if you're he's not num- doing number, him both ways. Number two pick in the draft, right? I saw you tweet that out earlier. That's this right. Week. You know, that's who's right. My, who am I? I should know. Who, who are you assuming then is number one? What's that Thibodeau guy? I'm only going off of what uh, that that Greg Brandt guy. Uh, okay tweeted out this is right. maybe a month ago gotcha all right all right all right man well hey this was this was a lot of fun if yeah. nobody if nobody listens to us i mean i still had fun doing this so you know what you know who will listen my dad my dad listens to every pod i've ever been on in my life so Does he? that's that's that is amazing. one listener i love hey you know what i think we i think we have enough you more so have enough friends on the <laughs> on the notre dame twitter too many other people follow were did follow me at one point probably like while i was watching an eagles or a sixers game who was yeah. like man i can't i can't deal with this roller coaster but um <laughs> so we'll get we'll probably get some of those uh, before we close hit me with your honest to goodness feeling here what level am i going to experience heartbreak tonight with Sixers Hawks game uh, game what are we at game six or will I live to potentially be disappointed again on uh, on Sunday? I I want you to brace for. Oh, I've being braced sad. for it. I've braced. I I, I I just I, I just think that. You know, they. I don't think the Sixers have that guy who... They, they had that guy, and they don't well, anymore. They don't anymore. They don't anymore. I, no. I, yeah, I, I just don't think they, they have, we don't him, have so. We don't have the guy to go in the locker room and just yell at everybody for what, what transpired. Um, right, like if you had Jimmy Butler, <laughs> I, I feel like he would... I feel like he was... If we had Jimmy Butler, guy. Wednesday doesn't happen. That right. that just right. that just does not happen. Um, right. But uh, no, man, my my expectation my expectations are low. You know what? My uh, to give this back to well, one if anybody is still listening, for those of you who don't follow the NBA, I will tell you the equivalent of what I experienced this week, and that is, I was trying to think of comps, uh, you know, com- comps for this from from Notre Dame because I was like, I know, I know, um, and I know Greg's gonna 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 bring this up and. If you could imagine losing, like, watching, and I wrote down, I, I looked for some of these because I was like, I'm going to really research which which Notre Dame games reminded me of this. And one of them is old, but, like, like 1990 Stanford, where we had the 20, 24 to 7 lead, 
and lost. And you're like, mm, 17 points is, that's a lot in football, but it's not crazy, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. If you, now imagine watching that game on Monday night and then 48 hours later watching 2011 Michigan. And then 48 hours after that, trying to prepare yourself <laughs> to watch that same team again and just try to muster up excitement, right? If it's, I'm trying, I am, but it is, it is very difficult. That's, that's what I experienced this week, guys. So for those you know, of you who do follow me and are like, what is this? What is wrong with this man? That's what I went through. That's what, that's what I went through. And, and now I've at the, I'm at the point where I have like, I have kind of Rose Bowl. January, January Rose Bowl expectations going in where I'm like, you know what? I'm not expecting to win. If we win, it's going to be amazing. Um, but, you know, hey, I, I don't I don't think we will. That, that's that's kind of where I've my, my, my peak and valley is at. But if you guys follow me on Twitter, I, what are we at? We got two hours till tip off by like 730. I will be like probably, you know, hyped out of my mind talking Sixers and seven again. I just want I just want everyone to you know if it goes bad I want everyone to be patient with Frank I want everyone to be <laughs> I want everyone to be understanding I want I want everyone to be there for him it's a tough time dude it was so bad that my coworkers <laughs> who I work in you know like the the greater New York City metro area yeah, yeah. right they they hate Philadelphia sports they all yeah. hate Philadelphia sports they all hate that I like Philadelphia sports because I'm very vocal about it in the mm-hmm. office when we have an office. It was so bad on Wednesday night that yesterday the Knicks fans were like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I like I can't even make fun of you right now. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, I'm too fragile right now for you guys to. I'm way too fragile for you guys to pile on. So I, I greatly appreciated my coworkers not piling on. But um, yeah. that's how bad it was. It's like, uh, imagine, imagine you guys had Michigan fan friends who watched mm. Notre Dame go through such a excruciating loss that they were like, it's not your fault, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not your fault, right? And you're just like, thank you. You know, I appreciate this. But uh, hey, man, we'll see. Um, again, ex- low expectations for, for the Sixers, high expectations for the Fighting Irish, though, and that's what that's what our listeners are, are here for. So I think that's, I think we're uh, we're about ready to call it. Any parting shots? No. Um, no. Hopefully, we get some. Uh, hopefully, get some commitments coming up soon. That's true. Um, we could be talking about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. hopefully, in like 24 hours, we get one of those. Exactly. Yep. Yep. All right, man. Well, uh, I think uh, I think that uh, that about covers it. Everybody, whoever is listening, we appreciate it. We're gonna we're gonna try to do this weekly. We'll see how long it uh, see how long it goes. But uh, if you do listen, drop us a comment and all that fun stuff that people do with podcasts that I just don't know about because we haven't really been doing it here. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.